Question from Jesse is, where do you see yourself in a couple years? Maybe owning a restaurant or writing a book? All right, let's take those one by one. So right now my focus is on building repertoire. So those are the educational products that will ultimately be the suite of offerings that repertoire has. In addition to that, all of the free to consume content that repertoire will have. So like the podcast and the YouTube content and the shorts and the TikToks and all that stuff. Basically growing that to a place where it's helping the most people possible in a profitable way. I have no doubt that I will have a restaurant someday, but it's not going to be in the way that you think where like I'm at the helm. So the kind of stereotypical examples that you think about with like Grant Ackett's having a restaurant and Renee Redzepi having a restaurant where like they're the face of the thing. And you know, you might see them there day to day and night to night. But what I see my most impact that I can have in the restaurant space is helping others kind of like launch their restaurant and almost be like a background person. So you might be able to talk to me in 20 years and be like, I have like eight restaurants from the sense of, you know, maybe I own specific smaller percentages in those businesses, but I can be more of an advisor role and then come in and ultimately help with all of the stuff that I build to make sure that they're operating at a profitable level, at a sustainable level, at a like their HR is good. Like what I don't want to do is I don't want to continue to kind of like chase accolades or stars because I don't ultimately feel like that's the best use of my skills and talents. And it's taken a lot of work to get to that place to almost hold myself back from going for kind of like a stereotypical restaurant concept, but I ultimately hope, and this is like my decision making is going to play itself out over the next couple of decades of this is what I think is the highest leverage use of my time. That segues great into talking about a book because of course there's going to be a book. I like I write so much already. I think what I'm doing a really good job of right now is kind of like taking information from other sources, filtering them through my experience and trying to identify principles that can help you folks. And that's a great place to be right now. I think that that ultimately helps me get to a place where I can have some original ideas. I I, I don't want to get to a place where I'm writing a book that's like a parroting of other things. Is that book going to look like a memoir? Is it going to look like a strategy book, like a non-fiction-y kind of like education, self-help kind of book? Is that going to be a cookbook in the future when I have some really ambitious ideas that finally get brought to life and there's enough of a library through like, you know, dish of the day style stuff where that can be a thing? Maybe. I'm not sure. I love love writing. I'm certainly one of those people who in high school had a really poor experience with writing and that gave me a really negative mindset around writing. But once I started to write about the things that I genuinely enjoy about helping you folks, now all of a sudden I can write for hours uninterrupted and I actually get, find a really a real satisfaction in writing. So, so no, I don't have an idea where I'm like, oh, this needs to be a book someday, but I definitely get excited about thinking about a book in the future. You had three questions, Jesse. So your second one is, what is your opinion on the drug and alcohol abuse in the gastronomy business? And did you struggle with that at some point? So big macro picture, it's a problem, right? Like none of us are going to, don't gaslight any of us into thinking that it doesn't exist or that it's not there. It's definitely there, but I don't judge folks because if you, if we take drugs, this is just like a word of like substances we consume in order to change our state. I drink coffee every single day. Like I consume drugs on a daily basis to change my state. I think the problem is when people have, there's a great quote in, in just addiction in general, which is not you're supposed to ask not why the addiction, you're supposed to ask why the pain. And so I think if there's some sort of pain that you're trying to mask or dampen or numb or try to cover up using a substance that could be alcohol, that could be weed, that could be just smoking cigarettes on a regular basis just to kind of like have something to distract you, something like that. I think that that's 
also a problem. The advice that really helped me was I had a guy who I worked with, and I think I've shared this advice before, who would basically say he took drugs and alcohol off of what he was doing as part of his day-to-day, and he saw his productivity and progress and growth just skyrocket. And so I always fell in the camp of like, why not take every advantage you can get when you're in these professional environments? Because if you, if, if, if there was me and then someone next to me, and for all intents and purposes, we're equal. We went to the same school. We maybe went, spent the same amount of time in externships at similar places, and we're both up for the same job, but that person is taking drugs and I am not. I clearly have an advantage. Like, and, and what are the ripple on effects of that? Like, my sleep is better. I have more disposable income, so I'm not so concerned about kind of like taking my knives to go get sharpened or buying a new pair of shoes so I'm more comfortable. Like, there's other benefits, secondary and tertiary, that flow on from not consuming these things. But again, it's like, don't say that it, it doesn't exist or that it's not a problem because it is. The last point I'll cover is I, I linked this uh, article down in the show notes. This really stood out to me. And this kind of is the scientific backing for this statement that I just made, which is they did a big analysis of high performers. And basically what they identified was that there's three traits that make them stand out from the rest. And the last one relates to addiction. So the first one is a superiority complex. So you feel like you're better than everybody. Second one, which counterbalances that, is crippling insecurity. And so you constantly feel like you're never going to be good enough. The last one is impulse control. And so it's this idea that if given the option to go out on a bender and completely get blackout drunk, you're going to say no to that because you have this impulse control where you're basically willing to put off short-term pleasure for long-term reward. And I think for whatever reason, I fell into that camp. I was never the person who tried to numb anything. I kind of felt things maybe even a little bit too intensely. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to get better so fast because it was just, I, I felt like shit when I wasn't performing. And so it was this idea of, well, you you should actually just try to get better at this thing versus trying to cover up the fact that you feel like trash. I want all of you folks to crush it at work, but if you're in an environment where you feel like growth is hard to come by, it can be frustrating, especially considering that you're probably sacrificing a lot to be in your current position. Just hoping that someone will teach you the skills required to improve can feel like crossing your fingers and holding your breath, and you waste months or even years with that strategy. To solve this problem, I just relaunched my completely free five-day kitchen productivity challenge, taking content from my full course, Total Station Nomination, and structuring it in a way that gets sent straight to your inbox, again, absolutely free. If you want skills that I've used in high-caliber kitchens to push myself beyond where I thought my limits are. There's a link in the description of this podcast where you can sign up. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Let's dive back in. All right, last question from Jesse. Do you have a number one restaurant you'd like to try? There's a couple that are on my list. So the first one that, that comes to mind only because it's so in line with El Bui and I never got a chance to go there is Alchemist. And so that's been making the headlines because it's like 20 courses and everything is designed to be kind of like provocative or humorous or kind of play with your idea of what food is. And I think that that for whatever reason, has always been really, really interesting to me. And I would just, I've seen a bunch of photos and videos of people going to that place and I'd really want to try it. Second one, if we can just stay on Copenhagen for a second, is to go to the new Noma space. I had the pleasure a couple of years back of going to the one in the old location. That was the one that I staged at. That was the one that I knew. And to, to get to eat there was really, really cool. But to be able to see them move to a new space and just see people have different uh, menus there. I think what I would want to try the most is probably the seafood menu. 
whatnot. And then in second place would probably be the game menu, and then the last would be the vegetarian menu. The next one that's on my list that I hope to go to soon is this place called Central in Peru. And I think that that idea of serving food that goes in different altitudes is fascinating. And just the idea that they pour so many resources into R&D makes it really interesting to be able to try what they're kind of experimenting with and, and testing. Then I have two more. One is Chef's Table at Brooklyn Fair. I think the execution level that they're firing at is just crazy. And to be able to experience that type of precision and simplicity and just high quality of product would be really, really awesome to, to experience. And the last one, I've never done like the three stars in Tokyo kind of experience, right? Because a lot of these places have uh, massive wait lists. Uh, sometimes you can't even get in unless you know someone. And it's also a result of the two times that I have been to Tokyo. It's almost always been kind of preset. So I've had other plans that I've had to make months in advance. And so I haven't had the just kind of serendipitous experiences at Michelin starred places in Tokyo. But I know that people who have done that time and dedicated that, you know, those financial resources and those that time to go experience that, they, they tout that as one of the best dining experiences, just period. And so I love Japanese food. I love Kaiseki experiences. And so being able to go to do that in Tokyo is also top of the list. But it's, I know it's not a restaurant, but it's top of mind for me is like there's a gap in my dining, you know, history that I just would like to fill someday. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate a review of this show on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify to help the podcast universe know that people like us like shows like this. Regardless, I'll see you in the next episode. My name is Justin Kana, and I hope you have a good one.